0: Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region.
1: Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. The state of Israel is evidently struggling to attain much-needed stability. Following a relatively short hiatus of attempts by those poised to grip Jerusalem's power reins, at least declaratively so, for the purpose of dealing with the nation's numerous challenges. On March 23rd, the State of Israel will once again head to the polls. Naturally, the following question arises – will these upcoming elections draw Israel from what appears to be a bottomless well, or are we expected to linger in a political limbo of sorts, which spells growing hardships amid lurking military, diplomatic, economic and social dangers? To explore these issues, we're joined from Central Israel by Colonel in Reserve, Ruven Ben Shalom, who is a cross-cultural strategist and associate at the International Institute for Counterterrorism in Herzliya. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Also joining today's panel from elsewhere here in Jerusalem is Mr. Mitchell Barak, who is the CEO of Kivun Research Group. Thank you for joining us as well. And with me here in the studio is our TV7 analyst, Mr. Amir Oren. And let's dive into today's topic. Mr. Owen, give us a broader understanding of where does the political situation in Jerusalem currently stand? And are we now in somewhat of a political limbo where we uh, are right now in the fourth round in less than two years? Of course, uh, this, uh, uh, according to various projections, may not be the last election, and we may very well uh, see ourselves in the fifth and sixth and seventh uh, within uh, three years, for that matter.
0: Well, Jonathan, let me um, uh, tell you a little secret. From the outside, it may seem as if we are annoyed by this turn of events, but actually we have become addicted to it, and we don't want to kick the habit. We got used to going to the polls every few months, seeing politicians um, struggle with each other, uh, create uh, governments, then uh, have them fall, And we are heading uh, to the polls as if uh, we get rich every time uh, we go there. But seriously, it is uh, the worst political crisis Israel has undergone in its uh, almost uh, 73 years. And for the last 25 years, 15 of these 25 years have been under Benjamin Netanyahu, 12 of them uh, consecutively since March of 2009. It now seems a bit more certain than ever that uh, a coalition of sorts can be formed to block him from returning to power. Um, It is not uh, definite because obviously the numbers will tell. If Netanyahu manages to garner 61 votes, even um, raiding some of those who have vowed never to sit in a government uh, with him and definitely not under him, uh, he may still uh, cling to power, even though um, in a few days' time, he's going to stand trial. His trial started last year, but he is going to have to appear in court uh, several days uh, a week. Um, this may be uh, the overriding event of the election campaign, and we don't know yet whether um, his uh, uh, electoral base will support him even more because of that, uh, close ranks, or whether people uh, will stay home. Uh, they will not vote for his opponents, but uh, they will not feel comfortable voting for him when he's standing trial. And obviously, uh, he has other uh, major figures now opposing him, uh, which I'm sure... Uh, Mitchell and Reuven can expand on.
1: Indeed. Mr. Barak, I'd like to refer the next question to you. You served uh, as the media advisor to Prime Minister Netanyahu, and time and again you have told us here on uh, Jerusalem Studio panels that one of his key attributes, uh, which uh, some uh, may call a virtue, is patience, his capacity to be patient And uh, respond to reality on the ground, something that, of course, many politicians uh, excel in, but uh, he really is able to utilize whatever occurs and and, uh, consequentially uh, develop it uh, to one way or another in his favor. Right now, within a reality in which there are plenty of social challenges, economic challenges, health challenges, all surrounding the domestic narrative of a corona crisis, uh, we do not uh, necessarily look at patients at this stage as the best uh, way forward politically speaking, considering the fact that uh, many of those challenges are imminent. Right now, things are occurring within the Israeli streets with uh, uh, a million people out of jobs, uh, with people uh, challenging to uh, see a future and having hope, something that as a politician, you always need to provide your uh, constituents, uh, however you may look at it. How does uh, the uh, the prime minister at this stage move forward in a reality that does not really favor those in the seats of power?
2: Well, he's probably in a better position than he was previously, because he doesn't, first of all, he doesn't have one formidable opponent. Before it was Benny Gantz versus Bibi Netanyahu. Now it's maybe Gideon Sar, who doesn't have as much to really go head to head. He's not gonna get the 30 seats or 35 seats of Gonscott. It's not gonna be Bennett. Uh, There is no real, you know, unified right. Hulda, he doesn't have it. So first of all, he's in a field that's splintering off. The second second thing is, is uh, people are out of work. He's mishandled this crisis. A lot of people will agree, but he's going on the vaccines. He shows up, you know, they show him on the telephone with the CEO of Pfizer. They show him, you know, meeting the DHL shipment of vaccines like a bar mitzvah boy. They show him at the first, you know, getting his vaccine. They show him at the 100,000, the 500,000, the million. I'm beginning to believe that he's going to start giving the shots when we get to 2 million people. So he's got that going for him. By the time we get to an election, most of the Israeli uh, population will probably be at least vaccinated once, if not twice. And even what Amir Oren said about his court case which looks horrible, and he said, uh, you know, can affect him among his supporters, he's gonna turn that into his favor. He's gonna say, here I am, Israel is leading the world in vaccinations. We are more vaccinated than any other countries. I'm bringing peace agreements with United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, uh, Morocco, we'll see who he has up his sleeve now. And all the court wants to do is stop me from saving the people of Israel, stop me from leading the people of Israel. Isn't this terrible what the courts are doing against me, what the police are doing against me, what the leftist media is doing against me? It's a conspiracy against me, and the only way we're going to save that and fight those left-wing demons is to vote me in office again. And that's a very compelling argument.
1: A compelling argument also when the left is seemingly disappearing from Israel's political scene. Uh, Colonel Ben Shalom, for the first time in history, the Labour Party is not going to cut it. Uh, it's probably not going to pass the electoral threshold, which is uh, somewhat of a unprecedented situation. Of course, historic, uh, to say the least, for the uh, party that established the country to disappear from uh, the political scene. But at the same time, we're looking at a growing group of so-called anti-Netanyahu people, including Gideon Saar, which uh, both uh, uh, Mr. Barak and Mr. Owen mentioned, uh, is uh, a person from the Likud who, who left the Likud, drew with him support from the Likud, including somebody that uh, may be uh, a surprise to many people, uh, uh, Zev Elkin, who was his right-wing man in all that pertains to relations between Jerusalem and Moscow, and traveled with him to visit Putin and communicate with the Russian administration over and over again. Suddenly he tells the Israeli public wholeheartedly, Mr. Netanyahu, you're untrustworthy, I cannot continue with you. Uh, Is this going to draw a backlash, at least uh, for the Russian-speaking population in Israel, who still supported the Likud up until this point?
3: I think it's too early to tell, and I think we're going to see polls all the way up to the elections themselves, and even they will be wrong. It's hard to see, because you can see how the Israeli population drifts, really, according to narratives. I mean, just we just heard now a beautiful fake propaganda. I believed it. I loved it. And and that's the way it goes. Netanyahu, by the way, masters this, especially he's successful because his rivals are so, I would I want to say, pathetic, or amateurish, really. You look at the Uh, Benny Gantz and even Khulda'i when they have their their big uh, uh, declarations about uh, competing against Netanyahu. It doesn't even look serious. It doesn't look professional even on a professional level. So I think Netanyahu almost enjoys this rivalry and he uses it to his effect. Now we looked at the Labour Party. I think the whole arena change in Israel, there's no more right and left really. Uh, I grew up in a, in a country where right and left mean really opposing opinions of what should, be, what should we do? You know, what should we do with the Palestinians? What's the future of the territories, a two-state solution or a one-state solution? Now I think we're all pragmatic. We understand where it's going. We understand the threats. It almost doesn't matter who's going to be prime minister, because if he has a good cabinet, cabinet around him, we have to do the wise thing. We have been brainwashed, by the way, that there's only one person that knows how to do it, and that's Netanyahu. And without him, we're finished. This, of course, is still promoted by his campaign, but unfortunately, too many people believe it, maybe because of the problems I already said. Now, as far as Likud, I think it's a tragedy. I I do think it's a tragedy for the left, also a tragedy for the Likud, because it could have been a beautiful demonstration of democracy to have primaries, to see new and young leadership come forward, but we are now in a state where the leadership always uh, deflects and, and uh, sends away his uh, and brings down his opponents inside, always clinging to power. No term limits in Israel. By the way, we have a, a mayor of Tel Aviv that's been forever the mayor of Tel Aviv, competing against a prime minister that's been here forever. And we, the people of Israel, are accepting it. So all these things are really sad for democracy. The only positive thing I'll say for now is that we are still in a democracy and paying, playing by the rules of democracy, which is nice. So even if we go again to elections, at least it's elections in a democratic state.
1: Mr. Owen however, we're looking at the situation here in the Middle East and the future may not necessarily look as bright as uh, some people uh, may conclude from the recent peace deals and, and uh, such. Uh, to what degree are we in a situation of urgency, in a sense of urgency at least, in Jerusalem's political scene where the the leadership, for instance, Benny Gantz, who uh, led the blue and white list and later uh, somewhat of dissolved that list because of his uh, will to alter the, the current situation uh, within a crisis that uh, has plenty of implications for the state of Israel and uh, defiant of his allies went with Netanyahu for another Uh, term in order to somewhat salvage uh, uh, the situation on the economic and health levels in Israel, including other aspects, of course. Right now, we look at him and and we see his second-in-command, Gabi Ashkenazi, has decided to abdicate from the foreign ministry, has uh, decided to uh, leave uh, uh, Benny Gantz to deal with his own issues, which were his own, but right now it's uh, Benny Gantz's problems to deal with. We have uh, Yair Lapid who says, okay, we're willing to talk, but you're not going to lead. We have, uh, 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 of course, uh, uh, Naftali Bennett from uh, the the right wing or the, the new right, uh, which is More right, at least uh, declaratively so, than the Likud party. And then we have uh, Lieberman, of course, and the ultra-Orthodox parties. Mm -hmm. It seems like the entire bloc, if uh, you really look at the entire picture, has drawn into a certain camp that uh may increasingly challenge Netanyahu's bid to maintain the the reins of power and at the same time the ultra orthodox parties came out already declaratively at least the shas party which is uh a certain abbreviation or offshoot of the likud itself uh and came out and said no we're going with netanyahu till the bitter end and it doesn't matter what the media might uh talk about uh,
0: Give us a little bitter end Netanyahu's not the wrong.
1: They well, he already be,
0: said in prison they going for going to, various Yes, they are going to reasons. be, to be uh, in government no matter what because they have to protect their interests Let's juxtapose the two personalities Netanyahu and Gantz uh, for a second. So yes um, um, We all said that Netanyahu has a great deal of patience of perseverance of determination. There is an old joke in Israel, what is the difference between a Netanyahu and a Rottweiler or a pit bull? The answer is that the ferocious dog eventually lets go. And Netanyahu doesn't. Netanyahu pursues um, whatever he, he uh, does. Um, And no matter what, he can call you up. If he wants something from you, I'm sure Mitchell um, was on the receiving end of that. He will call you four or five times a day asking you, have you done it for me already? Uh, And if not, are you going to do it within the next hour until you relent and say, yes, I'm leaving everything aside. I'm doing what you asked me to. Now, Netanyahu is proactive. Thirty years ago, he was the only one in Likud who wanted to be directly elected prime minister. The other Likud leaders, Shamir and Aarons and, and the rest of them, thought that they had a better chance because they were not charismatic in having their least uh, get better results than labor or, or the others. But he, he wanted to and prevailed. And right now he's trying to raid Uh, behind enemy lines into the Arab community, uh, which uh, would be uh, tantamount uh, almost uh, to betrayal uh, with some of his followers, but apparently they think that if this is what's needed for victory fine now for Benny Gantz Benny Gantz apparently does not understand How come the 35? uh, seats in Knesset have evaporated he will not get even one to force it now and that is because he was the anyone but Bibi candidate and because he betrayed the trust of his voters they went away and he is now left with nothing. Now of course he has his rationale, he thought that this was best for the country but this was not the mandate he was given by the voters. They did not think that uh, he's uh, in a better position than they are to decide that their votes count for nothing. And what we see right now, and you, you mentioned Saar and Lieberman, you, men- you can mention Naftali Bennett uh, in that line. These were all people who were allied uh, at one time or another or even served under Netanyahu. But Yeah
1: Lapid
0: Lapid, uh, was his finance minister. Yes, but he was not part of his entourage, was not part of his close circle. Uh, He was uh, an opponent who decided to join the coalition. But uh, Saar, who was uh, already helping Netanyahu during his first legal troubles more than 20 years ago, and Lieberman, who was his closest aide, and Bennett, who was his uh, chief of cabinet, All of them uh, are now hostile to him because uh, personally, Netanyahu wants to leapfrog over the second rank of Likud and go directly to the voters. And people resent it. Uh, Professional politicians are willing to wait for several years until uh, their turn uh, will come up, but they cannot stand the way that he's so self-centered. And therefore, Uh, He may have um, uh, He's coming now Uh, They may converge we have heard a few days ago about Tsar and Bennett uh, having a pact Um, We may see uh, on the other side Huldai and Lapid having a similar pact Um, And as we get closer to the elections, we won't have all of these tiny factions we will see several medium-sized parties battling it out.
1: With all those perceptions uh, very much true, at least uh, projected so in the media. uh, Mr. Barak, uh, I've held numerous conversations with various people, some of them uh, Likud supporters, some of them uh, proponents from the Likud, but uh, the bottom line comes to it. Netanyahu's camp seems adamant that he will remain in power and they uh, see this as a matter of honor, And they see this as a matter of uh, personal anguish, if you will, that they can relate with that anguish for various reasons, which uh, may or may not be always logical. But uh, they are very much adamant about that, which seems that he still will garner the majority of mandates within the upcoming election. Nevertheless, in a reality in which Israel's political construct is a liberal democracy, a parliamentary democracy, in which you need to create a coalition of sorts with a majority of 61, at least, within the 120-seat uh, parliament, you can not but ignore the reality in which it does not seem like the current uh, political stalemate is going to alter in any way in the near future, considering the landscape within Israel's political scene. How can you go to a a fourth round of election with the knowledge to a certain degree, if you uh, would uh, uh, come from a perspective of an advisor or somebody outside of it, uh, uh, within the inner circles of various leaders, you would say, We're heading also to a fifth and sixth and seventh round of election. And this is probably the direction which we're heading into.
2: Well, you know, it's like the old game of chicken, right? There are two cars that are speeding at each other. Well, Netanyahu is always the guy who's not going to get out of the way because he knows the other person will get out of the way. And he will just step on the gas and go faster because he knows no one will come up against him and no one will stop him. Because if it means going to second elections, he did it. If it means going to third elections, which everyone thought was crazy, he did it. And if it means going to fourth elections, he did that too. And if he has to go to the fifth one, he'll do that too. He will try and put together a government after the next election. I think what Ruben said was, was very on target, meaning... Israel is not a country like the United States where there's a president who makes all the decisions and the cabinet is really just window dressing of people running different, uh, offices and ministries. Israel is a, uh, first of all, parliamentary democracy, 61 out of 120 people. If they elect a prime minister, that person becomes prime minister, but it's a first among equals. So it means that prime minister has to have a cabinet. And that cabinet has to make the decisions. Every major decision has to go through the cabinet. So it really doesn't matter. Of all the people that are possibly could be prime minister, with the right team, as Reuven said, with the right team, they can do it. They just need that help to do it. So uh, if Jonathan, is d- going to go may, may forward just... ahead, he, he's going to you know, keep talking about his diplomatic uh, successes and about vaccinating the population. And he's in not a bad position. Because you also can't really run a ground campaign. No, none of these new parties can go out and go to parlor meetings. You can't have, you know, uh, uh, conventions, and it's all going to be done word to mouth, WhatsApp, L.A. coup They have the data. They have their people. Their people are very hardcore supporters. Their people will always go with Netanyahu, as you said, and they they have to, you know, widen the circle of people that jump for Gedon Sar because they're angry at Netanyahu, but are eventually a lot of those people are going to come back because. They're voting emotionally right wing, not intellectual right wing, like you do And they're voting a lot of them with their hearts and with their feelings. And the one thing to remember about Netanyahu, he makes a lot of people in this country proud to be Jewish and proud to be Israeli. And that's a really important thing. And that's why they go out and vote for him again and again, because to them, that's the leadership.
0: Indeed. And, and right now, proud to be Arab, too because uh, Netanyahu uh, went to the Arab communities. But just to expand on, on the chicken uh, game, uh, the lethal chicken game, uh, which Mitchell uh, mentioned, uh, this, of course, there's another version in Rebel Without a Cause, where the cars do not try to uh, clash head on, but uh, stop at um, uh, the cliff's edge, and one doesn't. But there is a different scenario, and that's the Thelma and Louise. Netanyahu men go over the cliff with some of his supporters and only the others Standing uh, behind him uh, will survive.
1: Colonel Ben Shalom. I'd I'd like to ask you uh, specifically, however, considering the the crisis uh, In Israel, which is a very real crisis many people if I'm not mistaken, it's one out of every uh, Four Israelis within the labor force of Israel are currently out of a job of course, uh, this has devastating consequences for so many people. Uh, the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer. It's it's true for the global uh, economy, of course. But in Israel, you really see that on the streets uh, with uh, many businesses are uh, on the verge of bankruptcy, if not already at the stages of bankruptcy. And just with a, a, uh, crumbs of lifeline uh, aid from the authorities, uh, are they able to uh, meet uh, their their weekly or monthly demands. Is this not going to impact the upcoming elections to a certain degree? Well, first, we, are,
3: we have to admit that just the fact that we have these elections at such a time of crisis is shameful. Uh, they should have done everything to avoid it. Every minute we spend, every shekel we spend on this, of course, is, should be uh, diverted to other, to other causes. Is it going to affect? Certainly. We have people that are down to their you know, their very livelihood, putting food, food on the table for their kids. No question about it that there will be uh, Likud voters for all their lives that now will change their vote because of this. Uh, we will also see, by the way, like we always have, especially like uh, people that live uh, uh, near the Gaza Strip, that for years Israelis would wonder, how could you vote for someone that has been failing you for so many years? There will be people that will continue to vote because that's what they do. I don't think we're going to see, unfortunately, these elections go to a serious uh, level of content, of policy. We never do. Notice what we're doing. They're just fighting among themselves with ego, bashing each other, going to a a personal level. It's not like we Israelis go to vote for people that offer us a platform of, of depth, of serious policies, and we say, yeah, we're going to choose him because he has a good financial plan for us. It's not there. It's, it's so ridiculous. It's so shameful. To, to notice this. So how, how is it going to affect who we choose? It's not. It's just going to be a matter of, okay, who was in leadership so far? And if they were in leadership this year and they failed us, maybe we should choose someone else. Or that we believe the side that we, heard, uh, that we just heard so much that, that this was brilliantly managed. All the good comes from Netanyahu. All the bad is from others, right? He brought the, vac- the vaccines, but everything that had to do with poor management, and we see some poor management now in the vaccines, that, of course, is someone else. There will be people that believe that. So unfortunately, even though content and policy and real issues should be the main drivers, I think, unfortunately, they will not. Another issue here is, and the sad point of these elections, because it, they were imposed on us so soon, notice that there is no reshuffling of the of the deck. It's the same. It's the same players, the same members of Knesset, of course, betraying each other, deserting and going to the other party. But it's the same guys among the, And I say guys because Israel is managed by middle aged men, of course. We don't have enough women and young people, young leaders coming forth. This whole drive is not even happening. Unfortunately, I don't want to depress you too much, but I think this is what we have. This is where we're going to go forward. And there will hardly be any change because it's the people are the same the polarity is the same. It's the same politicians, and it's pretty much going to be the same in the next parliament.
1: And unfortunately, there is not much optimism coming out of today's uh, panel. Uh, And today's uh, panel has come to a close as we uh, ran out of time. But uh, we will revisit this topic, obviously, as we uh, near the upcoming election. I'd like to thank Colonel Ben Shalom, Mr. Barak, and Mr. Owen for joining today's panel. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we will see you next time.